pleased this week, Brent Gunning and Gord Stellick alongside me. Now, Gord, you know, you're normally the like the, the sage voice of wisdom on this show, and you're going to have to be that today because I am still way too excited about our Michael Bunting hat trick last night. How are you doing on this wonderful Sunday afternoon? Yes, your uh, alleged distant relative, Michael Bunting. It's uh, <laughs> I, I share your excitement. I share your excitement, and uh, we'll kind of – well, again, I'm great. I'm great. Looking forward to a great uh, afternoon of sports. Uh, loving the games the Leafs have played. And, you know, here we have uh, tr- uh, Canada soccer, and uh, they played as many games as the Leafs did this past week, and they had to, like, fly halfway across the world and come back and what have you. So I know I know Sheldon Keefe is looking forward to getting some, some more regularity to the schedule. It, it won't quite happen this week because we got the All-Star break. But uh, two games, but really when you throw the last Islander game in a week ago Saturday, um, three three nice wins in, in different ways. Yeah, Keith, I think, nailed it in the post game last night. He said that wasn't a good game for us, but it was a good win. And I think that's exactly how I felt kind of coming out of that one. You you charge back in the third period. You're really happy there. You, you expanded a little larger. And yeah, you know, we think back to last Wednesday, how we all were feeling after that loss to the Rangers. And, you know, that was a disappointing effort. That was a disappointing outcome. But since then, you've, you've rang off three straight wins. You know, the game against the Ducks, that was one of the better games they've played this season despite needing to go to to a shootout so yeah I think uh and and then conversely you know the game against the Red Wings you end up winning 7-4 but that was a really you know not great start for the team so I think you're obviously thrilled with the record but it's kind of the best of both worlds there's enough things that you can pick at if you're a coaching staff and say got to get better got to get sharper but if you're the players on the team I think there's also a ton of reasons why you should have your your head held high after the last week yeah, and uh, the last two games, or, or excuse me, the uh, the the game on Wednesday, the old story about uh, blowing a lead, and they didn't. You know, it was uh, extenuating circumstances, uh, good breaks for the Anaheim Ducks, excellent goaltending by John Gibson, and you know, last night's game. Uh, good terminology by Sheldon Keefe. You're going to have a, I don't even know if you call them clunkers, whatever you want to call them, just kind of flat games. But what I liked was finding a different way to win it that it wasn't the highlight reel Toronto Maple Leafs because the Red Wings play a smart style in that they basically, they don't quite collapse, but they, uh, they, they kind of move in on the goaltender and try to block lanes and they don't give you that wide open, great scoring chance or they try not to. So the Leafs just said, okay, we got to adapt. Let's find whatever seams they are. Let's get some traffic. Let's get some deflections. And that's how they turned the date game around the third period. Yeah, I mean, look at look at the goals you, you get last night. The first one gets bounced off Engvall's knee from Morgan Riley. You get three greasy goals from Michael Bunting, albeit a, you know, a tremendous assist from Marner on the third one there. The Rasmus Sandin goal that ends up being your winner, okay, that's a guy one-timing a, a puck into basically an empty net, but it was an empty net and the pass came across because of tremendous effort from, from John Tavares in the, in the greasy areas. So I, I, I'm with you there. It felt like a team that really it took them too long like I think it's fair to say the fact that they didn't really get going until the third period that it took them too long to kind of acknowledge and realize that that's where the goals were going to come from but they eventually found their way and they charged back and you know it's just it, it, it the point I keep coming to with this team is that if we're going to give 
if we're going to give other, and again, the Red Wings aren't the Golden Knights, or they aren't the Leafs, or they aren't the Avalanche, but if you're going to give other teams credit for coming back and charging back against the Leafs, I think you have to give the Leafs credit for kind of finding their footing in a game where, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, maybe a clunker is kind of the perfect terminology for it, because I didn't feel like it was a lack of effort, or a lack of buy-in, or just people not showing up. It just felt like, you know, people weren't sharp, and you're just kind of a little late on defensive mishaps, and the fact that you're able to kind of stem the tide, and yeah, you get some greasy goals, and that helps, but then you, it, it just kind of proves to me that this team is proving that they can win games in different ways, and I think that's a really exciting thing for the playoff hopes for this team. And to get back to Michael Bunting and how apropos it was a hockey, hockey day in Canada, got moved to Scarborough, Ontario, the good people of Owen Sound, where it was scheduled. Uh, they'll get it next year, but did a real nice job about a lot of backyard rinks. And, of course, Wayne Simmons and, and Michael Bunting were two that were featured. And, I, again, I, I just I just keep going back to in Arizona. Like, here, here you had a scout. I don't know which scout would have been responsible, but I'm sure one scout advocated for him. But they, as an organization, picked him in the fourth round. And, it, you know, slow developing in the AHL was looking like, a, you know, a, a an average AHL player, which you know doesn't really cut the mustard to make the NHL. But then last year he gets 10 goals in 21 games. Now he was an unrestricted free agent through a, a category or category six uh, uh, unrestricted free agency about hitting a certain age, what have you. But I uh, um, obviously he was free to go wherever. But boy, he scored 10 goals in 21 games for the Coyotes, and he's making you know under a million dollars, so a very reasonable salary. And I'm just surprised. I mean, why the Coyotes, who are, I understand that they're trying to, you know, moving anyone who makes any kind of decent money out, but this would be a guy, man, this was kind of a jewel that you appeared to discover. And uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are saying thank you very much. Well, obviously, obviously the Leafs were going to get a better kind of price on bunting than the Coyotes were. Like, I think it's fair to say he's making 900K or 950K for this year. And then, you know, same salary for next season. You know, that probably wasn't good. If, if that money's on the table here and it's on the table in Arizona, then that he's going to sign here. But the Coyotes have $15 million worth of cap space. I know they're not a cap team and they're more of a floor team, but you couldn't have offered him one five or something. Like imagine if they had Michael Bunting making a million and a half bucks a year at the trade deadline is a chip to move. Like I'm so thrilled they don't because he's been a revelation here in Toronto, but it's just, you know, for a team that for so long has been trying to find their way and find their way to just let an asset like that walk out the door. And yeah, does, does Michael Bunting look a little better playing alongside Austin Matthews or John Tavares or Mitch Marner than he would alongside a Clayton Keller? Yeah, for sure. But this player was, was there in Arizona. He was scoring for you. So yeah, I I'm with you, Gord. I, I can't believe, believe they let him walk. And then, you know, conversely with Bunting, you know, we've talked about him a lot. I, I obviously was on the bandwagon nice and early. But the thing about him that has most surprised me is, you know, I knew there was going to be a little grease to his game. You know, the, the scouting report from Paul Bissonette was that if you're a Leaf, you're going to love him. If you're anybody else, you're going to hate him. OK, I was on board with all that. But he is a much more capable offensive player than I think we realize. And I'm not just talking about the goal scorer. Of course, he gets the hat trick last night. But just even the way he plays with talented players, it's a little bit of that old Zach Hyman trait of knowing where to be, knowing where to stand, knowing how to make the little touch pass that isn't all that sexy, but just kind of connects things for guys that are more talented than you. And I really think playing with talented players is a skill. And it, it's clear to me that Michael Bunting has that in spades. Like, I, I, I think he would be effective anywhere in the lineup. But it 
it does take a guy like him to kind of know how to fit in with players like Matthews. And it it's really been impressive to me, that part of his game this year. Yeah, and the Zach Hyman comparable, they're different types of players, but, you know, Zach Hyman showed he could play on any line. And you, you want to have, you know, at least one of those that you put him on any line and, and he just, you know, fits out, fits in perfectly. I can remember, remember the zip line uh, with uh, – uh, or Zach, <laughs> yeah, and they changed it to whatever else, but but Zip, Ilya Mikheyev, and Pierre Engvall, right? It was going That's for a right. little while before he got back with one of the top centers like he normally has in the top two lines and that and that's what bunting has done that's what he can do he can play on all those lines and gives you that kind of flexibility and you know with the last half of the season that's something that uh, uh sheldon Keefe is going to explore just about that kind of flexibility and try to get you know different types of lineups ready you can have the all power lineup then you can have the balance lineup you know and just you know be ready for that in the playoffs and michael bunting is a guy you can put like zach hyman seamlessly on any line yeah, and, you know, I know the way that Engvall and Mikheyev have played have kind of made this a little less of a conversation, but even down the lineup, I like what Keefe has done in terms of exactly what you said there. You know, it's almost like a, it's almost like a baseball team. Like, do you want to put a lot of power? Or do you want to put a lot of average hitters and speed in there? And, you know, there have been times this year where Keefe went to Richie on that shutdown line, if you want to call it, with Camp and Kasha because he wanted a heavier player there. You know, and again, the way Mikheyev and Engvall have played, that's not really so much of a conversation anymore but it's just kind of finding different styles like you know what do they always say about boxing right like it's styles make fights and I think that the problem the Leafs have ran into in the playoffs is they're really really good at one style and that's why I honestly believe if they would have ended up in a track meet against the team like Tampa not to say they would have for sure beat the Lightning those back-to-back Stanley Cup champs that's a talented team but they felt more comfortable playing in games like that than games that are kind of muckier grindier where the skill can kind of shine less and I think that this team this year is kind of trying to find okay what can we do to play different style of games and you saw that with Sheldon Keefe now I know he didn't stick with them and he went back to the old lines but that's exactly Exactly what he's tried to do with shaking these lines up, having a, having Nylander, Marner, and Matthews all spread out on three different lines. There shouldn't be a world where one shutdown line could shut this team down, and that's why I, I think he will go back to it. I don't know that we'll necessarily see the the uh, the new look lines for for tomorrow against the Devils, but I'm sure we'll see them again at some point this season. He'll go back to it, yeah. I um, and Wednesday you saw in the Anaheim game that uh, it did play out throughout the game. Uh, it wasn't spectacular, but it did the job. And then as we talk about it, when you're on the power play, the cool kids all get together again. And uh, and they were really effective on the power play Wednesday. So, you know, if you're, if you're moving those guys together on the power play, uh, then you have PKs. And then after the power play, you have to put, you know, one throw, assemble one line together just to kind of get the balance back of where everyone goes in their appropriate lines. Uh, it ends up like it's not, it's, it, it, it cuts into the, the routine, the rotation uh, about those lines and that's understood that's understood it's just but the more you know you, you go back to with the Russian five and when Scotty Bowman just decided okay we got to turn this game up a notch or two or three then all of a sudden there they were and uh, you know teams have been you know teams that ha- are fortunate to have that kind of talent that's something that's something they always keep close to the best 
Yeah, and even the, the Leafs can do that at the top of their lineup. Like, I, I think it was coming out of that Ducks game, I made the point that if they want to load it up with, with speed and skill, they go Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and if they want that top line that's loaded up to be just a little heavier, they throw Tavares out there in, in place of Marner. Like, it, it is amazing the choices this team has in, in terms of the way they want to play. You know, I mentioned Marner there. He's been on fire. He's got goals in five straight. Uh, you know, I know he got the empty netter uh, last night, the Rare empty net power play goal to keep that streak going as well. Uh, he had a he had a brilliant assist on Bunting's third goal. Marner Marner, you know, he's been a flashpoint for this team. We go back to the playoffs. You know, people think of his comments even heading into the season. Of course, everybody goes back to the contract, but since he has come back from the knee injury he suffered in practice, he he's been you know there have been games where he's been this team's best player, and over that stretch, he might have been the Leafs' best player. And that's saying something because Austin Matthews is on the team. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's uh, uh, if it's what, what do you call it karma now that Jake Muzzin's injured the guy <laughs> with in practice. But uh, yeah, power play goals, shorthanded goals, and even the little thing about um, and 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 it was a legitimate maybe you call it criticism, but observation just that he's so great at making those passes and so many first assist passes that in a lot of ways teams doing the uh, pro scouting had decided that you're safe, not you're safe to cheat that he won't make the shot on the power play. And now, you know, every now and then he's got to do that to keep things honest. And he's done it over that last little bit of a stretch. Yeah, he, he has. And, the, and, it, and again, you know, I, I go back to, I think it was the Ducks game that he had the, yeah, that he had the power play goal. I mean, if, if he's going to have a shot like that, and that's not the only time he's scored on a shot since coming back, it does kind of change what, what he can be as a player. You know, they, they've got him playing with Tavares now. Obviously, those two had such a good uh, run of play during Tavares' first season here. And, you know, I, it's a point I keep making this year, but I feel like I have to keep making it because of so many other things that go on with this team. It really does feel like John Tavares can kind of skate under the radar at times. He made the tremendous play to set up Sandine last night. It just feels like he always finds a way to win a few battles. It feels like he's really tailoring his game to being that kind of second line center now where it's just a little more responsible. It's still very dynamic and it's still offensively loaded, but it's just he's turned himself into a beast in the dot. Like it's just everything you could want from your captain, from your leader. Tavares has been that guy this year and it just feels like because of everything else that's gone on with the team with COVID and Matthews run that he's gone on and Marner now and the new lines feels like I just have to keep reminding it because it does feel like he's just sliding a little under the radar to me. Well, and the, the new kinder, gentler Sheldon Keefe now is not well. Of course, they've won three games in a row, so uh, only positives. But we talked last Sunday, and I, I, didn't mind his, I didn't mind his constructive observations at all. I know he wanted to be backed off on them uh, after the Ranger game about just the way the words like soft were perceived. But he'd also, you know, when he was in that mood, you know, he'd said that need a save from the goaltender uh, in Morazic's case. Uh, also, you know, need more from the Tavares line. And, you know, part of it maybe gave him more by being paired with Mitch Marner again. I don't know if that was part of why he thought it. But he's getting it for John Tavares. And he's just a consummate pro, uh, Tavares is, and, and, and going out. And, you know, we're kind of seeing more of. And, again, I always go back to the playoffs, but about missing Tavares in the playoffs. But, you know, teams miss significant players. It goes with the territory. But, uh but that was a big, big, big loss. Now they did win the next couple of games. So, you know, after after that, <laughs> until the until things turned around the other way. But you're kind of nice. You're hoping, you know, you, when you pick the best of that you've seen so far, 
halfway through the season. And it's a nice feeling, right? If you can get all the best off from game number 83 onwards, that's that's the way you'd love it to be. Yeah, it is. Uh, though the, Maybe the one thing that this team hasn't been getting their best of lately uh, has been between the pipes. And again, you know, we I, I like to hammer home the fact that the reason this team went on the run it did in November is because of the guy who is between the pipes in Jack Campbell. But, you know, pretty much since the start of December, I don't want to overstate it. It's not like this is the Oilers here and this team just can't get a save. But it hasn't quite been the same kind of stand-on-your-head net mining. We've seen it in flashes from Campbell. Mrazek has really kind of struggled to get a footing here. Felt like the game against the Ducks was a was a or, or sorry the last game Mrazek played. So Monday that was a pretty strong game from him. But then it's back to this unevenness. He wasn't great against the Coyotes. You know there was a few goals you didn't love last night uh, against the Red Wings, and it just you know he's going to get a chance here. They're going to keep splitting games, especially with the loaded schedule the Leafs are going to have but they're going to you know they're going to need their goaltending to be a little better than this not right now because I think this team can win games without it but on a on a team that thinks they're going on a long playoff run the goaltending just needs to to pick it up just a tick in my opinion well it's 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 nice Brent though they've won games without sensational goaltending that kind of mirrors the New York Rangers because early on the season Rangers were winning a lot of games, but people weren't impressed. And they just talked about the uh, excellent goaltending. And then, you know, after you get winning for a while, you got to be impressed with some other things. And with the the Leafs, you know, and we chatted about it, that uh, sensational goaltending can mask some ills or a lot of ills. And if you start getting ordinary goaltending and you got a ton of ills that are exposed, uh, that's a problem. And for the Maple Leafs, uh, compared the sensational goaltending to ordinary, um, they found ways to win games. So so that's huge because uh, very seldom can you just ride the hot goaltender uh, all the way deep in the playoffs. you got to have more. Yeah, and uh, it is funny. I uh, I loved your reaction to this in our postgame show last night. So I'll bring it up one more time again. Uh, were you as surprised as I was to hear that people were asking about Peter Morazic? Of course, that was the report uh, during the 32 Thoughts uh, intermission on Hockey Night there. Uh, I, I get it. Teams are always looking for goaltending. I don't know what you've seen that you'd say, sign me up for the deal he's on right now. Not say he can't bounce back. Not say there's not something there. But uh, I don't know what other teams are seeing that's saying, yes, please sign me up for that. Yeah, and you know we're not trying to beat him down, but no. Yeah, first of all, first of all, goalie trades aren't very often made in the trade deadline, and the team acquiring one is one that's looking to have that goaltender take it and run with it in the playoffs, like be their number one guy. Teams that are out of the playoffs, they'll look after trade deadline to you know make those kind of deals, and it could be a bargain basement if Morazic doesn't work out. So yeah, I. I that's funny. We get all we get all hepped up about everything in these trades, and 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 even you know when Justin Hall was struggling and uh and then the talk was okay now they're going to trade him well he's struggling so i mean that's the last <laughs> time and he isn't anymore but that's the last that's the last time teams are well, teams are maybe looking for a bargain but uh, as far as marketability that's the worst case to trade from so yeah i got you know peter Morazic. uh i don't know what team would want to take that contract right now and think he can win them a stanley cup so hopefully hopefully he can just kind of find his way Find it, find an appropriate level of efficiency and, and skill with the Toronto Maple Leafs by playing more games.
Yeah, you, you'd like to see that. And, and it has been unfortunate. Like, it's just been a guy who's had no chance to get remotely comfortable here. This is the closest to it now. And the team is kind of just coming out of a stretch where they haven't been playing a ton of games. And he, and again, I, you know, I say it again, it's the book. He's kind of lived up to the book on him. There have been stretches of play where you say, yeah, that's, that guy's really good and really talented. And then there have been games you haven't liked. Andy's been hurt for a large chunk of the season. That was pretty much the book on him heading into the year. Uh, you know, you mentioned Justin Hall there. It's funny i hadn't actually thought about it until you mentioned his name things seem to be a little quieter around him right now for so much of the season the conversation has been what's going on with that second pair muzzin and hall they were stalwarts for this team last year it just hasn't clicked and you know if you would have told me that jake muzzin got a new partner and he looked a little better i would believe that but the fact that jake muzzin goes away and justin hall starts to find his game a little that that's a little surprising to me He's been a, a revelation uh, the last couple of years, Justin Hall. I mean, the Frankie Corrado treatment, being in the press box and, and you know, healthy scratch, healthy scratch, healthy scratch. And, you know, good on him uh, that whether it was confidence or whatever other things that did it, that he that he found a niche. And, you know, again, when we go back to Jack Campbell's sensational goaltending early in the year, and part of it was the um, indifferent, maybe a.k.a. not or, – or that's code for not great play of Muslin and Hall, which was um, – which was puzzling given how they played before. So anyway, whatever whatever the funk may have been, certainly especially in Hall's case, um, he seems to have figured out. M- Muzzin continues to have an ordinary year by his standards. You know, we've seen the best of Jake Muzzin at times, and that hasn't been this year. Yeah, no, de- definitely not. I think he would he would argue or echo all that as well. He wouldn't argue with me is what I was uh, trying to say there. Uh, one other D I wanted to pick up on, you know, he seems to be the guy that maybe is the most kind of polarizing among these kind of bottom pair guys, and that's, that's Timothy Lilligren. You know, for so long, he's been a guy who – you know, people aren't sure what to make of him. It feels like he's been in the organization for a thousand years, even though he's only 22 years old. He was a first round pick and it's taken him so long to find his footing. Uh, It just seems to me like kind of, you know, it's become an ugly word because of, because it was used in that Amazon series, but it feels like to me more often than not, you're getting kind of vanilla play from Lilligren. And for a defenseman, I don't always know that that's the worst thing. Yeah, you know, Sandine and Lilligren, I mean, let's face it, Sandine's development's been um way ahead of Lilligren's and we've just we've we've just chatted that the and and this is where Dermot's been a little bit uh um I don't want to use the word disappointing, but maybe that's the right word. Just yeah, frustrating. About, you know. Yeah, because yeah, you get you get that progression level and he really seemed to acclimate himself to the NHL um relatively easily and then he's not really had that kind of growth to be a core four guy and that's what you want to see from Sandine which you know we've got more body work to decide and have seen and Lilligren just that okay if the and, and trust me I've I've been when the teams weren't very good and uh, and they're trying to develop young defensemen and some do and some don't and when they don't it's 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 not fun it's kind of ugly and your you know point being is do they do they learn from their mistakes that that's then you can live with it then when you can live with it that's part of the growing process or are you looking saying that's the same stuff that he did you know in his first 20 games in the NHL and what have you and and the jury's the jury's still out on that in Lilligren and Lilligren in particular yeah, it, it is. And, you know, the one thing that's kind of, and I'm again, I'm sure he'd echo it. It does seem like he has kind of a tendency, a propensity to once a game, 
be just going to make a crisp pass or a hard clear or something and he just flubs it and all of a sudden you're in kind of a bad spot and and look maybe that's something that jumps out to me because I'm I'm looking for it but it does just feel like there's just those one or two eek plays and in a playoff run man I I can I can easily see it kind of biting I I echo what you say on Dermot there as well you know he's a guy I've been really high on any guy who can skate like that and comes into the league and plays as many games as he did early on in his career I feel like there's got to be something there but it just always feels like feels to me like every time he's about to take a step there's just that I don't know it's that last step that he can't kind of can't quite climb to to kind of get into and really grab a spot in that top four because more times than not I like what I see but you know even last night he he got danced on on one of the Red Wings goals and you know it's just that's that you nailed it there with the idea of can you win and develop at the same time and you know you've got three defensemen who are going to be in your bottom pair kind of rotating talking Sandine Dermott and Lilligren and that and you know maybe Dermott's past the point of development because he's over 200 games now but you still have guys you're looking to do that developing with and that's why I think so many people are asking the question of will this team go out and get a I don't, I don't even know if it's a better body but maybe just a more experienced one that you're a little more certain in what you're getting because having having three inexperienced defensemen I'm not saying you can't do it but it does definitely uh well, Sheldon Keefe I guess he's already got some gray hairs but he might have a few more if he's going to go through a playoff run with three young demons yeah, and I've talked about uh, it's not just one Zach, but two Zachs that led a Zach Bogosian type or two, you know, that would be, you know, great depth kind of ads. And and to the point about Lilligren and the and those those giveaways, whatever number of them there are per game, certainly one that's pretty glaring, but say there's a couple. And it's like a pitcher developing and the baseball pitcher and he develops and he develops, but a couple times a game he's got the hang and curve call. Yeah. And now <laughs> just like all your giveaways don't necessarily turn into goals. All your hanging curveballs don't necessarily get hit out of the park, but more often than not, they do. You know, you can't. You can just like trying to trying to uh, uh, write exams with never studying if you're just an ordinary student. So uh, that there. that's what you worry about because uh, after a while, if you're still doing the same thing, that's your death now. The uh, the writing exams with not without studying never worked out well for me. Tried a couple times and uh, just a lot of confusion and blank looks uh, on my face. Uh, much like a defenseman uh, after after a, a bad giveaway there. Uh, Leafs rolling. They've got three straight wins now. They'll be back at it with a couple of games before the All-Star break. They're both against the Devils, so we should probably give you a preview of that. Plus, there's plenty to look at across the league as well. We'll have more when the Leafs this week continues. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. Keep listening on Sportsnet 590 to the fan. The Leafs this week, Brent Cutting, Gord Stellick alongside me. Leafs are winners of three straight after a win against the Red Wings last night, battling back giving the Red Wings a taste of the Leafs' own medicine. It doesn't work as well when, it, when I have to say it that way. Brent Gutting, Gord Stellick here, setting you up for a, uh, I would say a busy week, but it's not. Uh, the Leafs have an next busy two days, then they got some time off. Uh, a couple of games this week, Gordo, always interesting when you have the back-to-back. I uh, feel like we never see these anymore. A rare home-and-home. Home. Uh, they got the Devils here tomorrow night, and then they're in New Jersey on Tuesday. Yeah, both games, uh, all the coverage right here on the fan. 7.30 puck drop tomorrow night, so we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock. And, you know, Devils, there's maybe some similarities to the Red Wings about trying to be in a rebuild. Um, I like the way the Red Wings are going about it better brick by brick. And part of why New Jersey thought they got accelerated is there's, there's a couple teams that have had no luck, lottery luck. Arizona, Detroit are two of them. Vancouver, another one. 
Uh, Edmonton's had more luck than anybody in the world. But same with the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils. So, you know, they've got two number one overall picks in Jack Hughes and Nico Escher. And Jack Hughes has really picked up his game this last this last month for the Devils. But it really shows with the Maple Leafs, like Nylander, Marner, Matthews, you know, getting getting three players of an exceedingly high level. I mean, that's the Rangers aren't getting that with Kako and Lafreniere. And, you know, here it's a little bit on the slower side for Nico Heischer. So the, the Devils, Dougie Hamilton, their best defenseman, terrible injury, broken jaw, uh, very ordinary goaltending from Mackenzie Blackwood. So they're a team that everyone got excited when they, when they drafted Jack Hughes first overall. But it's a slow process, like the Leafs found out, like the Red Wings are doing now. And for the Devils, I think their fans thought they'd be a little bit further ahead. Yeah, as the uh, as the Oilers found out, uh, you need two types of lottery luck. You need to win the lottery, but you need to win the lottery in the right year. You know, they won it so many times, it didn't really end up mattering. But if all they had to show for uh, for those seasons was Nail Yakupov and a bunch of second and third overall picks, I don't know how they'd feel. And the Devils are kind of looking at that right now. You know, look, Nico Hischier, he's 23 years old. Not to say this guy isn't going to continue to grow in his NHL career. Yes, yes, yes. But for a number one overall pick who is now into his mid-20s, you know, 24 points in 37 games, that's not exactly what you think of there. And, you know, in terms of Hughes, you know, maybe his somewhat slower development has actually kind of helped them. You know, he signs that eight times eight extension that takes effect, I believe, next year. And, you know, he hadn't produced much heading into this year, you know, in the in the scheme of things when you're looking at a contract like that. And all of a sudden, you're starting to look at a guy who, yeah, that, that deal probably going to pan out a-okay but you know in terms of the devils yeah they're they're they've got some pieces there they've definitely got some names that you know I mean Blackwood he was in the conversation to be maybe the third goalie for Canada at the Olympics if they ended up going of course they they didn't but you know it's just the the the, the devil's team is just they're kind of the definition of of middling you know Andreas Janssen old leaf friend there he's third on the team in scoring and you know hey happy for Andreas you know carving out a nice little career for himself but there's not a world where he'd be anywhere near third on this Leafs team in scoring. And I think that that kind of perfectly highlights just the differences between where these two teams are at. You know, Andreas Janssen's kind of a, maybe not a building block, but he's a piece. He's a part of this team's for now core. And, you know, he was an expendable piece here here in Toronto. Yeah, one guy who's having a kind of an all-world season relative is Jesper Bratt for yeah. New Jersey. He's kind of he's leading them in the scoring the way that uh, Artemi Panarin used to lead the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like he'd be first <laughs> by a considerable margin. That's kind of, you know, which Bratt hasn't had a history of doing that. And uh, boy, the back-to-back drafts of Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews and Detroit last night and New Jersey tomorrow and on Tuesday. Uh, it looks like we're going to have that again with Shane Wright and Connor Bedard back-to-back drafts again of, you know, number ones that aren't Nico Heischer or Jack Hughes or Alexis Lafreniere. And again, that's not a slight against those guys. I just mean about, you know, whatever number of years that you get, you know, Steven Stamkos and John Tavares were number ones like that, like a real, real number one that you can, that you can build about and uh, build around that can really, you know, change things in a hurry. I have to say the the Lafreniere one shocks me. I mean, maybe I maybe I just completely 
drank the World Juniors Kool-Aid. But, I mean, I remember this te- this kid putting the team on his back as an underager at that tournament. And, you know, it's just not panned out for him. And, uh, you know, other players, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, I knew what Yakupov was going to be. But I am astonished, astonished that it's gone the way it's gone uh, for Lafreniere there. And, yeah, you, you mentioned Bedard and, and Shane Wright. You know, Shane Wright, Burlington native. I'm, I'm sitting here doing the show uh, from, from his hometown. So, I, you know, I'm pulling for, for him and then Bedard. He's just such a special talent. You saw it in the little glimpses you got to see of him at the World Juniors. You know, I caught a bit of it. He had the CHL game of the night the other week. He is going to be a special, special player. That guy, if there, let me tell you this. If there was an under-23 team at some World Cup of Hockey, he might he might already be knocking on that door at 17 years old. That's uh, that's how special uh, that, that Bedard kid is. And, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun, fun couple of uh, draft lotteries for whoever's lucky enough. But uh, it won't it won't be the Leafs. Uh, good a time as any to take a look uh, elsewhere in the NHL gourd. Obviously, the Evander Kane saga. He finally plays his first game with the Oilers. I'm not going to give him the credit for their, I think it was a 7-2 pumping of, of uh, the Canadians there, but he does get on the score sheet in his Oilers debut. Oh, how ugly is it, Montreal? Like anyway. Really ugly. Yeah. So, yeah, so last Sunday we were talking about the fact that Edmonton was down 2 nothing, and you know, and then came back and won that game. And we're, we're against Calgary, and we're just giving Koskinen all kinds of credit because, man, he was – they couldn't run him out of town because they had no other goaltenders that can That's play. Right. And, you know, he's they had to go in, yes, the rest of the week. And, you know, they're back, They're back. Uh, it seems uh, – well, they are in a positive mode. Uh, everyone still seems irritable and grouchy on that team. I don't know what it is, but uh, maybe, maybe this will turn things around. Yeah, the, you know, Evander Kane wasn't the difference maker. What's kind of a nice game for him to start against – a God, the Montreal, well, the Montreal team is the other one, you know, playing for Shane Wright. I mean, it's just, yeah. uh, wow. I, 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 laughing stock in Montreal Canadiens, I'm not used to that. I'm not used to that at all. Like, it's it's like it's it's one thing to be Detroit, New Jersey, you know, that you're going to try to learn some lessons and be more respectable and, you know, move up a little bit and have a solid, solid rebuild, like a, a direction, a path, and optimism. Montreal, that's, that's just going to be ugly. If it carries on like this, and you know you got, of course, Carey Price and Jake Allen out and what have you, but man, that's just going to be ugly. That's that's really just so weird to see. Well, and last night, Cassie and absolutely bowls over Montembeau in net and everyone just stands there staring at him and this wasn't this wasn't the uh I'm trying to remember oh it was the Ryan Reeves where where he ran into uh where he ran into Jack Campbell this wasn't that saying oh sorry I uh, I bumped India this is a guy bowling over a goalie and the entire Canadians team just standing there I don't know maybe it's a little different if it's Carey Price as opposed to Montembeau not to say the team doesn't feel any way about him but it's just a little sign like that you know we've talked about it so much in this market what you can kind of glean out of a team. And, you know, I think sometimes we can overstate it on teams that do have stuff to play for, but on a team like Montreal, that, that to me is just as clear, as clear a sign as any of, Oh man, is this season over yet? Like not say the players are completely folding it in, but when you see a guy bowl over your goalie and there is, I don't mean not a ton of response. I mean, no response. Nobody went up to him at all. I, I feel like that does tell you a lot about where your team's at right now. Yeah, yeah, and I guess, you know, we can uh, – Edmonton's not in the Leafs division, the Atlantic division. Montreal is, and, and it's just – I mean, the have and have-nots each week we've done this show, 
Uh, it's just become more and more. Like, you know, at first thought, okay, there's going to be a fifth team. There'll be five. Montreal will be competing for a playoff spot at the start of the year. Five teams for four spots. And then that, right off the bat, basically didn't happen. Then thought, okay, Detroit, we know Boston's got games in hand in that. But right now, Detroit's been uh, is ahead of them in the standings. This is a couple weeks ago. And now the Bruins have been the Bruins of old. And, you know, Detroit still some positives, but they're still doing the rebuild. And, you know, Buffalo and Ottawa, what, you know, Drake Batherson and, and Buffalo did it. Aaron Dell, I mean, about that, that cheap shot. I mean, it was just, I, I don't, I, I do believe he did not mean to hurt him that bad, but it was the kind of play you got to, you, when you understand a player is vulnerable and Drake Batherson is going at breakneck speed and there's an, Breakneck speed expression. Breakneck is about that, that uh, the bad thing that can happen when you're going too fast. And uh, unfortunately, he experienced it. Yeah, that's uh, you, nobody likes to see that at all. And of course, no one's ever intending to you know hurt someone or injure them. But it's like, well, why'd you do that? It's like, well, I wanted to I wanted to hurt him a little bit. Yeah. So what were you trying to do? Like, it's again, like not that you're sitting there saying, I want to I want to break his nose. I want to break his wrist. But what do you think's going to happen when you cheap shot a guy in, in the chops like that? Because it's just and, you know, actually, it's funny. I wasn't even planning to talk about this. But now that we're here, I think that this is a problem because this is the conversation that comes up every once in a while is, well, hold on. Or if a goaltender standing in, well, I guess he can't stand in the corner to play the puck anymore. But if he's wandering out of his crease playing the puck, that guy's not fair game. But Aaron Dell can, you know, obviously you can't do what Aaron Dell did. He got suspended for it. But it does feel like this is a thing that kind of pops up every once in a while. Well, are goalies fair game or are they not? And if they're not fair game, should they be throwing licks at anybody else? Well, and, you know, in, in this case, the spirit was just trying to buy another second for his defense from behind. So, you know, that that was what he was trying to do. But yeah, it's uh, it goes, it, you know, it's funny. It goes back to another Buffalo goaltender years ago, Ryan Miller. You remember that? Yep. I forget it. They were playing the Bruins, right? And then it all of a sudden became that, you know, they, they're, they become like the quarterbacks in the national football league about, you know, that kind of contact. But to your point, if you're outside the crease, you're, you're, you're swimming uh, in piranha infested waters, you know, that, uh, uh, that you, you don't have the sanctity of your, you know, your, your protection there. And, but it seems that, uh, you know, outside the crease, you're still getting that kind of protection often by the officials. Wow, I totally forgot about that. It's all flooding back for me right now. It was Milan Lucic and Ryan Miller That's having right. a dust up. And then, you know, look, these things happen in hockey sometimes. And when you're the biggest, toughest guy, sometimes there are no comeuppance for you. And I remember Patrick Coletta showing Milan Lucic a lesson by losing a fight to him. It's like if Ryan Reeves does something right now, or I guess Curtis McDermott in uh, on the avalanche or Deloria. Like there's just a few guys in the league that, yeah, there can be quote unquote retribution, but, but I don't know what you're, uh, what you're proving to Milan uh, Lucic. I guess you're, you're happy that the teammates did up, but man, yeah, I remember that whole saga kind of, kind of charging back uh, now uh, a couple of, a uh, couple of um, milestones reached in the league this week, Keith Yandel. Uh, NHL's Iron Man breaking Doug Jarvis's record. This is this is one of the most you know respected records across any sport. Of course, when we think of it across all sports, we go to Cal Ripken. But I mean, it's tough to do in any league. I, I'd argue being an Iron Man in the in the NHL is as tough as it gets. And I feel like you just got to tip your cap to uh, Keith Yandel. Yeah, tougher being a defenseman, you'd think. For sure. And uh, yeah. the other part, Brent is. I was worried COVID world was going to bring him down just that, you know, because they get tested every day. Mm -hmm. 70% of the NHL 
has experienced some COVID protocol. And most of them are ones that uh, didn't feel any symptoms at all, but because they were taking the rapid tests on a daily basis, it just got you one day and you were there with asymptomatic reasons. So Keith Yandel had to, had to buck the odds one more time that be in that one third that didn't get, because he would have been out. So, you know, good on him. Congratulations on that record. Uh, just not a fun way to do it with, uh, I know the Flyers won yesterday, so, you know, they get a, I get off the schneid. I don't know. They got a whole lot of schneid. They still got to work at, but, you know, just a, not a, not a, just an ugly, ugly time for that team and organization. And he was, you know, I, I used it, uh, I, I used the comparable. I was trying to think of a life comparable. And certainly with the, uh, your young guy, I kind of said it's like, you know, the incredible joy of your first child being born. And then you find out that day you weren't expecting it, but you get fired. Right. Yeah. So, you know, just 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 that kind of balance. So here he has this great record, which Phil Kessel still might break uh, probably next year, I think. But or maybe or if they sit Yandel out right away, maybe this year. But anyway, uh, and, and it's done not not in the best circumstances at all. No, it's it's not. Yeah, that that's a great way to put it there. Uh, luckily, still got my job. Hey, look at that. Actually got a promotion since the kid was born. So something must be uh, must be working out here. And, you know, I don't want to I don't want to take anything away from Yandel because he he has the record. It's his. We should never take it away from him. But I'd be lying if I wasn't thinking about Andrew Cogliano. The second that record got broken, he had an 830 game streak. It got snapped by a suspension. Toronto guy, uh, you know, world junior stalwart many, many moons ago. Uh, every time I think of the Ironman record, I, I just, I can't help but think of Cogliano. And of all things, it would be terrible to have it snapped by COVID. Uh, a suspension just might be worse. Yeah. And we remember the raw emotion. And, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it seemed like everyone kind of said because it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't like a five and six game or like, uh, you know, if you're ever were going to wink, wink, nudge, nudge, there may may have been an appreciation for that or understanding about that. Certainly, George Peros took a lot of flack for that, uh, which I don't know whether he deserves or not, you know, because you could also commend saying, hey, no, I got to uh, I got to look at the facts of the incident. I don't even remember the incident that was like because I just remember Cogliano being gutted, gutted that uh, his record as he was getting closer and closer uh, had to end because of that. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I remember a lot of things that, that it shouldn't take up space in my brain, but that one I, uh, I can't, uh, can't pull forward. I'm looking it up now. It looks like, oh, man, just, just reading it makes me, makes me sad for him. It was an interference infraction against Adrian Kempe of the, of the L.A. Kings. And, man, for you to break an Ironman streak on interference, it better have been egregious, egregious, egregious. Uh, a couple other things uh, from, from last night. Vegas gets by Tampa to shoot out 3-2. Uh, you know, I, I think there's some people who could tell you that's a, that's a cup final preview in the NHL. Obviously, the Avalanche are red hot, but, I mean, I, I could easily see a world where, where Tampa is still standing is the last team in the East, and they have a date with, with Vegas for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, kind of fun every day. I try to pick who could be a Stanley Cup. Is there a game that's a Stanley Cup final game? And, um, yeah, yeah, Tampa, I mean, we just assume Tampa Bay is going to be in the hunt. You know, you're, you're right. You're right. They got everything. They got everything. And they're one of the teams that, when we talked about the Maple Leafs, about getting exceptional goaltending versus ordinary goaltending, well, Tampa gets exceptional goaltending uh, game in, game out for Andre Vasilevsky. But they're also a team that could – they're one of the few teams that could survive ordinary goaltending and win a Stanley mm -hmm. Cup. You know, I mean, that's just how that's just how deep they are. They, I've, they had a game this past year that Killorn, uh, Sor, uh, Sorella, uh, Sorelli, yep. and uh, 
who else scored, but just you said, okay, I know Kucherov's hurt, but no Stamkos, no Kucherov, no point. doesn't matter. They got these other guys that just, just come at you in the same way. Yeah, that that's the thing. It's you know, it'd be hard enough if they only had the Hart Trophy winner. It'd be hard enough if they only had the last guy to score sixty goals in the league. It'd be hard enough if they only had the best defenseman in the world potentially in Victor Hedman. And to be hard enough if they only had the Vesna Trophy winner in Vasilevsky. They have all of those things. So if if any one of those things is going at a time, like Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos, they shouldn't have to. But they are they are talented enough that they can single-handedly go out there and potentially win you a game. We know Vasilevsky can do it. We know how good Hedman is. And if you just get any of those two things rolling, the, honestly, the only thing I think that's really going to... Look, anything can happen in the hockey playoffs. I think I should obviously clarify it with that. But it feels to me like the thing that is going to stop Tampa this year, if when they get stopped, is fatigue. The core of this team has just played so much hockey over the last two years. There's a reason why it's hard to repeat. There's a reason why it's borderline impossible to three-peat. And it just feels to me like fatigue is going to be the thing that does in that Lightning team, not not the skill or the actual roster that's been built. Well, then the mental non-fatigue, you never get tired of winning. So I don't know how it it's all, true. How it all balances out. But <laughs> but what a, what a great division. Tam- the Atlantic Division, Tampa Bay, Florida, Toronto, and Boston. You know, and... and um, Again, we go back last year where it seemed like the road was paved to get there to the final four for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Instead, Montreal was the one that uh, followed the yellow brick road to all the way to the Stanley Cup final, one round even further. But this time, wow, it's going to be a battle. It's just really, really going to be a battle. And I, you know, the Metropolitan's not much different that way as well as far as the elite teams go. But uh, I'm, uh, the Leafs have their, every team has their work cut out for them. But hey, I, I've I've got a I've just have some kind of vibe right now that I just think whatever would be with no 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 scientific background of it that the Leafs are going to be up for it this year and have some success. I I hope so, Gord. Before the before the Montreal series, I had a Sportsnet Today show with our good buddy, our normal producer Sam McKee, and I did a whole big rant about how it's time to believe. And then about eight minutes later, uh, what happened to John Tavares happened to John Tavares. So I, I need to be pulled over. I want a belief. I want a belief, if you will. Please, please, you're giving me hope. This team is absolutely doing it this year. Uh, I mean, again, we, we've said it before. When you have the four talented forwards that this group has, you have other talented pieces. You have a D pair that can be a number one D pair. And you have guys that have proven they can give you good goaltending. It's all right there in front of you. Now they just have to go out and do it. Uh, Leafs are back at it tomorrow with a back-to-back. They have a home-and-home against the Devils before the league takes a pause. The All-Star break starts up on Wednesday, and then the league is off for the rest of the week. Uh, Gord, I did want to sneak in uh, one more thing, a little Marley's Minute, if you will. This just came across my desk. Uh, Nick Robertson, remember him? Yeah. He returned to Marley's practice this week. He was on the ice, but... Because everything in Leafland has to be at least a little awkward. Uh, apparently, he had a, a pretty nasty dust-up with uh, someone at the skate today. Both players appear to be okay. But, man, Nick Robertson, uh, if there's ever been a more snake pick guy, I don't want to know him. I would love for this guy to um, – I, I don't think it's going to be this year. But I would love for him to force his way uh, in into the Leafs lineup because, man, feels like he, he might be the forward Timothy Lilligren. It feels like we've been talking about him forever. Yeah, well, and we know his injuries. Lilligren, that's not been the case about injuries. And I, uh, 
that Columbus series, there was so little to cheer about that Nick Robertson actually was one <laughs> of the things fans got excited about. And then the season started the next year, and he was viewed as one of those different kind of forward options. And, uh, uh, yeah, I wish him I, – I wasn't unaware of the dust-up. I like showing the fight that way. But uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, he can remain healthy. And, uh, and yeah, we can see what he's about because he's, uh, you know, again – you always want you always want those that can score goals. Goals are hard to come by in the NHL. Even the Leafs seem to have a few that can can do that. So uh, and that's something Nick Robertson can do as well. So his brother has been taken off with Dallas oh. and got uh, got himself acclimated in the NHL, and hopefully that'll be the same. I'll sign up for half of that production right now. But in in all honesty, you mentioned the shot. Uh, look, uh, you know, taking taking stats from the OHL and transporting it to the NHL is a difficult thing to do. His last OHL season, he had 55 goals in 46 games. We know he can shoot the puck. And one thing we know about the Leafs is they have talented forwards who can distribute said puck. If there's a world where this guy can find himself in the NHL lineup, albeit probably not this year, but next year, man, if you can shoot the puck on this Leafs team, uh, there's going to be a rule for you, especially with the talented players. Uh, Gord, tons of fun. Always love being on with you. And we'll be back with a, a couple of games coming up uh, Monday and Tuesday. Absolutely. Back to back. Love it. See, see you then, Brent. There he goes. Uh, Gord Stellick, Brent Gunning. Uh, thanks so much out there for listening. You've been listening to the Leafs this week on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.